Welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Digest, I, where we give you a consumable Dynasty perspective. I'm your host, Skylar. I'm joined by Nate. Again, we're going to go through another positional group and some tiers today. Today, we're going to be hitting running back. But before we get into it, I'm going to go through that intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I, like, I'm, I'm in for death, taxes, and the 2022 water receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No player is completely untouchable. You guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Ah, Spaceman's always getting me hyped to come <laughs> in and record. Um, so today, guys, we're going to be going through some running back tiers. Uh, we're going to try to get through the top 20 or so names. We're not going to talk any rookies today other than uh, two names because uh, the majority of those guys probably fill in somewhere between the end of this list and the beginning of the next group of guys that we'll cover in a later video. So we'll just roll right into this thing. Uh, I do want to say any ages that we mentioned today or what those running backs ages will be to start the 2023 season. In case you call me out and say, um, McCaffrey's or Taylor's not 24. I'm like, well, he'll be 24 start next season. So we'll just roll right in tier one. These are guys that are cornerstone assets for your team, the running backs that you, you are building around. They're very, very hard to get off your team. We're talking two to three first plus. And before we, you could put any of these four guys we have in this tier, kind of in any order, it's your personal preference. That's kind of the theme for any of the tiers. Um, but the first name I'm going to get right out of the way is Bijan Robinson. I'm not going to go too into depth about him because I'll be very curious to see where that landing spot ends up. Where, but we're expecting first-round draft capital, which in today's age is pretty rare for a running back. And he's the undisputed 101 in rookie drafts right now. Every single mock we do, he's yet to not be the 101, and that carries a lot of weight in market. So it's just something I want you to be ready for and know that when people are acting like Bijan is the best running back of the NFL, um, he might be your dynasty RB1. So don't, you know, Get ahead of the game if you can. If there are still people who have players that tear down ahead of that 101, you know, jump ahead and move and go get yourself Bijan. Um, after that, we're going to talk Brees Hall. That's the next thing we have on our list, Nate, if you want to take away Brees. Yeah, Brees Hall is interesting. Obviously, coming off the ACL and MCL, um, yeah, probably going to have a slow start to the season. Uh, I don't think you can anticipate that he's going to be 100% good to go right from day one. We see this with guys like Saquon when he came back. It took a little while for him to get unraveled as well. I think that's more than likely the, the case that we see here with Brees Hall. So temper your expectations in terms of production at the early part of the season. If it's, everything's not all roses for him at the start of the season, then um, also you know, don't go panic selling him. Top talent, absolutely going to be an engine for that team. They drafted him with the intent to use him um, a whole lot for him to be the bell cow there. You saw how irrelevant he made Michael Carter, who looked pretty good the year before, uh, basically immediately. Uh, it's pretty clear to me that the talent and the situation are lining up for Brees Hall, and pretty clear to me that he belongs in this tier. Yeah, and even when he left uh, with Bam Knight and the way he came in and operated in that offense, it just really showed us that this team's identity is through the run game. and. Brees Hall is at the core of that. He was early second round draft capital, which might as well be first round draft capital. Brees Hall is one of the 10 best running back prospects we've had in the last half decade to, to a decade. Uh, so he should definitely not be overlooked. If he has a slow start, that should be expected. Uh, I'm going to move on to another guy who's the same type of talent, was the same type of prospect. Another guy who went round two, probably should have gone in round one, and that's Jonathan Taylor, who's going to be only 24 years old, still coming next season. He's a key to that team's offense. Um, and he also finished the season a little banged up, which might take people's mind off of him. Uh, the real question marks for Jonathan Taylor are what this Indianapolis Colts team is going like, to look like going into next season. I think the offensive line is going to be made focal point. I think they have the bones there. Just whatever it was wasn't clicking in totality this season. Um, the quarterback situation, we don't know if it's going to be a rookie or if they're going to sign with another stopgap. If it's a rookie, you might have to temper expectations or expect another slow start. Um Rookie quarterbacks don't always affect running backs the same way that they affect their receiving options, but it's still something as an offense and as a whole, look at a team like Pittsburgh this year as an example of that. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, I think he's still got as good of a shot as anyone to return and be the RB1 next season. 
Um, and he's still, he's still so young. So Jonathan Taylor sliding right in here. And then the next guy, the last guy in tier one is, is a little different than these other guys. Nate, you want to hit on the last guy here? Yeah. Last guy here is Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think everybody knows what Christian McCaffrey is capable of at this point. He's going to be 27 by the time the new season rolls around. So he's definitely a bit older than these guys, Uh, but the production has just been so elite for so long. Every time he's on the field, he's given you 20, 25, 30 points uh, in any given week. His floor is insanely good. It's better than most guys' ceilings. And he's in an absolute perfect situation now in San Francisco. Everything's just lining up perfectly. I do think uh, that a reason for me that McCaffrey belongs in this tier where some other guys fall out of this tier is that uh, McCaffrey combines the elite production with a couple of years that I expect to get out of him. I expect that he's probably still going to give you two more years of RB1 production. Uh, Hopefully they're both like, you know, top three RB seasons. Um, But I do think that McCaffrey, even at 27 and 28 is going to give you pretty much elite numbers at the position. And so you really can't take him out of the top tier until you're expecting something less than that. There is an interesting point that you brought up, uh, Skylar, when we were talking before that uh, because of the trade, he can be cut uh, at any point for nothing against the dead, uh, no dead cap, essentially nothing against the cap. Uh, They did invest a fair bit and a big number of picks uh, to acquire him. Uh, He does have a 12 million cap hit basically through the next three seasons. Uh, I really think that they're just going to ride it out with McCaffrey uh, unless there's you know an injury or some other situation unforeseen Uh, so I really think that McCaffrey this is his spot Um, this is prime situation prime talent everything's wheels up as long as he can stay healthy he's going to be one of if not the most uh, valuable running backs in terms of sheer production for the next couple of years yeah I mean the prospect of Christian McCaffrey tied to Shanahan and the 49ers potentially through 2025 is just an absolute dream. If you had told people that before the season, they would have been even more expected. The only thing holding him back will be health. That's the only thing I think, as we agreed, getting him out of this contract, the reason he'd be cut. And I mean, that's the story of McCaffrey's career, but I think he proved a lot of managers um, investment worthwhile this last season where he brought home a lot of people championships who were, you know, they took the condom off. They went right back to him and they, they played Christian McCaffrey, you know, they went back, they traded for him. They kept him. They didn't, they didn't sell well Uh, in your redraft leagues. You stuck with him at one one because of everything Nate was saying about how his ceiling is, or his floor is above other guys' ceilings. So uh, hard to disagree with Christian McCaffrey there. So we're going to move down a tier. Now this is our second tier of running backs. These are the guys that are worth two firsts plus probably a little sweetener on top to get the deal done or, you know, a younger back plus a first and a second type deal. These are going to be, we have ranked five through seven. Again, any order you really can put these guys. Uh, the first guy we're going to put in this is more on the plane with Christian McCaffrey. This is Saquon Barkley, where it's just a guy who has one of the most ridiculous floors in the league. I mean, top eight running back is almost a given as long as he is healthy. Uh, he's still a focal point of this offense in New York. He's a clear workhouse. The only other running back even on the roster right now is Gary Brightwell. Um He's finally 100%. He is a free agent, but I would expect Saquon Barkley to resign with Brian. He Brian Dable didn't come in to let the, the identity of this team kind of walk right out the door in, in year two. Uh, so I would expect Saquon to come back. And this team still doesn't have a, an outside wide receiver that they can lean on. Uh, we'll see how that affects their playoff run here this week versus Philadelphia. I think that'll be a priority of the offseason. And bringing Saquon back is atop that list right next to that uh, as well. The Giants, their draft capital this year, we're talking a first, a second, two-thirds, a fourth, fifth, two-sixths. So maybe they take a stab in the third at potentially a back that could come in and maybe take a little bit of relief work. But I would be surprised if they went out and tried to grab a top name, you know, while they have Saquon Barkley at their fingertips. So Saquon at 26 is coming in at number five. So Nate, you want to roll through with our sixth guy on this list? Yeah, it's going to be Kenneth Walker, uh, Kenny kw3 whatever you want to call him the guy's just good um it was one of the popular things to say in the offseason last year that he was the best quote-unquote pure rusher and it was more so the uh the pass catching that people were worried about with kenneth walker and 
we saw it as soon as he really got the opportunity there. Like as soon as he was on the field and getting the line share work, he really took off. And yeah, I don't think there's anybody in the league who doesn't expect him to take another step in, uh, next year. Didn't even crack 200 carries on the season, but he was up at 937 yards rushing this year. Yeah, everything like everything. What's going to change in Seattle next year? You don't expect them. Uh, I don't expect them anyway to go away from Geno for next year. Uh, so you have a quarterback situation that's going to stay the same. They're going to return the major pieces of that offense. I think coaching stay the same. The only difference is now we have Kenneth Walker, the unquestioned starter from day one. He's going to see 300 plus touches. He's going to break. I don't know probably six or seven massive long runs over the course of the year because he has that elite speed, that big playability that you love to see in your running backs. He's got that kind of upside week to week that can just absolutely win you weeks. So um, it's kind of all systems go for Kenneth Walker at this point. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Kenneth Walker moving forward at this point. I've been on KW3 kind of is where I've been going, but K9 is, that's... <laughs> That's a good one right there. It is a good one. I mean, hopefully the injury to finish the year in a lot of your Jeff leagues will allow you to get some Kenneth Walker in round two next year. But this guy, as Nate said, it's all wheels up. I mean, you're getting a 22-year-old Nick Chubb and a Pete Carroll offense um, that is a stable and productive offensive system. That's very desirable. I mean, that's round two, round three of your, your super flex startup drafts. Uh, Kenneth Walker is a player to build around. Uh, there were a couple question marks coming into the league. He proved all of those wrong immediately. So love Kenneth Walker um, all, all in moving forward with him. And then the last guy we have in this tier is going to be Travis Etienne, uh, who will be 23 going into next season. Year three out of four on his rookie deal. Uh, it was the RV 18 this year. It kind of was ups and downs with Travis Etienne. But once James Robinson was moved and this team really leaned into Travis Etienne and he was healthy, he was he was an RB1. I mean, that was only a five or six week sample on the year. It was a three game stretch in the middle. He finished out kind of strong, um, you know, in your fantasy playoffs. And that kind of showed me what I need to see for Travis Etienne to split him from this next tier, guys. The only thing why I would take the other guys in this tier above him is there is the potential that the team brings in a power back or, you know, another outside receiving option. And that could potentially take away a little bit of the work from Travis Etienne, but he was very efficient on his work in games where he didn't get necessarily as many touches. So Travis Etienne, I think is a great, a great player to come and build around. Very exciting. I mean, he's going in round three. If you super flex startup drafts or I think three, four turn, he's, is a really good price for Travis Etienne. Uh, I'm excited to get in on him there. I, th- I think of him just kind of as that Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones type reset. That's the, that's the kind of player we're looking at here. And hopefully we can get, you know, another three to four years out of Travis Etienne or, or something, you know, equivalent to that. So tier three guys that we have, this is eight through 11. These are guys who are worth one to two firsts, you know, at least a first and maybe a flex type player or two raw first, if you can get it. Um, Nate, you want to lead off with this tier? Yeah, top guy in the tier we've got is Austin Eckler. So obviously the 2022 RB1, he's put up a ridiculous amount of touchdowns the last two seasons, 38 total touchdowns the last two seasons, uh, which is just unbelievable numbers. Um, You'd wonder if that's uh, sustainable year over year. Um, He's done it now for two straight seasons, so it's getting harder and harder to say it's unsustainable. Um, the reason that Eckler drops down from the guys above, despite obviously having the the ceiling, the same kind of ceiling that the others have, uh, for me is, you know, he's going to be 28 when the season starts. I really just can't, I don't feel like I can expect Eckler to have more than one RB1 season left in him. Um, and the other part of that is at his age, any injury that he would sustain would be absolutely catastrophic to his dynasty value. And so that drops him down a little bit again for me. Keeps him out of the tier with the guys that we were mentioning above where um, they have a little bit more resiliency in my mind um, for that kind of thing. So it's going to be interesting. His contract is up after 2023 as well. So, you know, that always gives you a little bit of pause. What are they going to do moving forward when he's, you know, he's going to be going into his age 29 season after. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see uh, what the move is with Eckler and what they're going to do. Are they going to 
commit to him with some kind of long-term thing and let him ride into the sunset as long as he can keep playing? Are they going to try to reset the clock? They've been constantly trying to bring in these uh, kind of secondary backs to give a get a change of pace in there. It just hasn't been working, and that's been part of why Eckler's been so great the past couple of seasons. It's because he's just been so much better than anyone else they've had that they've kind of just felt like they had to keep running him out there. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see if they do try to go that route again, if they do try to bring in another running back, and maybe it sticks this time. Maybe they find somebody in the draft or in free agency who they can give a little more work to, and that takes away from Eckler's ceiling. There's just a few more questions, I feel, with Eckler, uh, and that keeps him out of the tier above. Yeah, I think it's completely fair. Um, with Austin Eckler, I mean, if if he gave you – double-digit touchdowns for another season or two, I think you'd be ecstatic. I mean, 38, you say, uh, it could come down. It could come down. It would, I mean, you're still getting RB1-type seasons if it were to come down. Uh, thing with Austin Eckler, as Nate said, they've been trying to patch kind of the guy behind him for a while. There's The contract is up in 2023. Like, a lot of these backs are talking about when the teams could potentially get out. With Austin Eckler, we know when it's out. We know when we're going to have to see what's next. And he's going to be 29 when that happens. We don't know what the future holds with the team with Staley or what the new organization coming in is going to want to do as far as the direction for this team. Mike Williams has been completely banged up, and that's kind of their red zone receiver threat Keenan Allen's getting old they might even look to bring in a, a, a wide receiver or two could potentially take some of those touchdowns away for Justin Herbert instead of him just dumping every single ball off to Austin Eckler so it's just the, the outlook for the Chargers as, as a whole could be completely different in 2024 and you know you can ride Austin Eckler but if you're not if you're not looking to win a championship I'm getting out this season immediately um and a player that I might want to get out on is Jameer Gibbs, who I'm going to throw in here as the last rookie running back we're going to talk about today. I'll just brush over him quickly because he's probably going to be going the 104, the 105 in your Superflex rookie drafts. Uh, if he gets round one draft capital, which is in question again with just the nature of today's game, but in, certainly in some mocks he's going there, he might be closer to... Travis Etienne might be leapfrogging Austin Eckler for me right away. It really depends that draft capital and where he goes. This is another guy who's a lot like that Etienne, uh, Kamara, Aaron Jones type of player um, who's just a really nice, safe asset in fantasy football. So it's just s someone to be uh, on, the, on the lookout for. You know, if you are in a position to move off Austin Eckler, right? If you if a team's really excited, they want to go win, you can move. You can get a 24 first and the 105 for Austin Eckler. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of your leagues, I don't think that's ridiculous. That is a move I'm pulling the trigger on today because I think you're getting a guy who's going to start right away in the NFL in the same tier as Austin Eckler from a dynasty asset perspective. Uh, and then you're getting that 24 first right on top of it, just in case Gibbs doesn't give you, you know, fringe RB1 in his rookie season, which a lot of rookies don't typically. So just something I would look to do. So, Nate, you want to carry on to our running back 10 on this list? <clears throat> yeah, number 10 is going to be Javante Williams from my Denver Broncos. You do have questions with Williams for sure. The biggest one, obviously, the injury here. What's that going to look like? It was a pretty severe D injury. Um, do they bring in a rookie? Do they go the vet route? How are they going to shore things up? Uh, there's a pretty good chance he's not healthy for the beginning of the season. Um, so they they basically have nobody in, in that backfield currently, so they're going to have to remodel regardless. Um they might even think about bringing back Latavius Murray, given what he was able to do for them just as a stopgap option. Um, maybe they want to have a stopgap until Javante is fully back and fully healthy. It's it's kind of tough with Javante right now because uh, similar to what we talked about with Brees Hall, you can't expect him to start um, very strongly. And I think that Javante could even be a little behind the Brees Hall timeline. Um, just given how these injuries occurred and what we know about the severity, there's a solid chance in my mind anyway that Javante really doesn't get untracked until maybe even your like your playoffs are more or less decided like your team's kind of set in a direction and so that's obviously a little bit scary as a dynasty asset and why he starts to fall down into this range then also you have obvious concerns about the offense um new coaching what's what's all that going to bring um for the offense and for Javante in particular I do think the Broncos are still committed to Javante Williams they want him to be that guy they spent second round uh, draft capital on him George Payton's still the general manager he's still the one who drafted him, still the one who wanted him. So I don't think they're going to go out and, you know, add a big name uh, via the draft or a big name in free agency. But I do think they could go out and find somebody, um, 
you know, Kareem Hunt's going to be the guy that everyone talks about, but somebody along those lines who can shoulder the load for a time, but is probably best suited as a change of pace alongside Javante at this point in his career. Um, somebody like that is what I would guess would be the most likely outcome for the Denver backfield. And I do think that when Javante's back and at full strength, uh, he's probably going to start to elevate his stock from this point. So uh, on a rebuilding team, I'm pretty happy to take the shot on Javante. He's been going in the fifth round of startups. I've been seeing him in that range. And I do think if we're doing a startup this time next year, he's probably going to be right back in that third, second round range um, because there was a lot of excitement about this guy. All we're going to need is a couple more highlights of him trucking a guy or dragging six defenders down the field. And everybody's minds are going to be blown once again, and they're going to elevate him uh, because he is still, he's going to be 23 this season. He was very young coming into the league. So um, there's going to be a lot of reasons to be in on Javante. I think that he's a great target for rebuilders. It's a tougher pill to swallow if you're looking to contend this year because you don't know how much production you're going to get, how healthy he's going to be and when. Uh, but overall, as an asset, I think if you can take the long-term view, I think this is a guy who's going to appreciate in value over the next year. Yeah, and with Javante Williams, I think you have a little a little bit more time to get out of this one if you get a little unsettled. I think with Javante, as you said, with that slow start, the excitement that's been around this guy since he came in the league, let's, let's not forget that he's never had a backfield to himself in college. Um, in the NFL, he's always been kind of in a two-guy type system. He's been hyper-efficient. He's looked really, really good on his runs. I think the highlights, reels, are really what people have banked on as far as talent with this guy. So I think even if he is slow, you, you can get out of this transaction at a good cost if you get uncomfortable or if you would like to tear up to a more competing running back because of his slow start or get out and reset the clock with another rookie. So I, I do think Javante, despite being injured currently and on a you know a rougher recovery road he is kind of safe as a player especially when you're getting him in round five of your startup um so don't get scared off as well if they do bring in a cream hunt type player i think it's almost they'll almost certainly bring in a veteran um just with their scarce draft picks i think they might go elsewhere in that route and with a lot of uh running back free agents kind of you know, supporting running back free agents this year. Uh, they won't have a short list of guys to come in to at least get the road ready for Javante when he's fully healthy. Um, but one player I'm a little more concerned about your window to sell is DeAndre Swift, who's the last guy on our tier here. And this is just strictly down to his talent. I think what the only thing that has gotten in DeAndre Swift's way is injuries i mean this guy out there he's looked sloppy at times as a runner but he's been he's still been effective somehow on his touches he'll, he'll break a run here there and his receiving game is as good as anybody and he's good at finding a way into the red zone even if he gets injured while doing it um i know people might not view him that way with jamal coming in and you know getting as many touchdowns as he did um but deandre swift is a good good running back who can score touchdowns and can offer upside. Um, he's in his fourth year of his contract, so he really does have to stay healthy and prove things this year. But we did see a couple backs this year manage to do that. So with DeAndre Swift, um, if, in, I'm, I'm comfortable taking him in this range and taking the shot. I'm comfortable tearing up or tearing down if those are options as well. But he's kind of the last guy who fits into this group of guys. Um, Jamal Williams is worth noting. He is a free agent. I think he resigns. If you pay attention to the NFL, you watch TikTok, ESPN, you're on Twitter, you'll see that Jamal Williams is a heart for this team with the Lions. He's an exciting guy. He's a bright character. Uh, I would expect him to resign. They could bring in a rookie. They could bring in another guy. That certainly, I think, might affect uh, a lot of people's perception of DeAndre Swift and his role within the team. But again, with that receiving upside, I think he's when he's out there and healthy, he does give you a nice little safe floor. Even with this year being banged up half the time, he still was an RB2. So we're going to move to the next tier of guys. These are players who are worth a first plus a little, a little incentive on top. Um, the first guy in this list, 25-year-old running back, Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs. Uh, what's it to you, Nate? Yeah, uh, I don't know how many people saw the season he had coming. Um, certainly I didn't. I did draft him in a few places because everybody uh, had written him off completely and he was falling to like the eighth round and redraft. And um, 
even further in some places for dynasty people just wanted no part of josh jacobs um so i did end up with them in a fair number of places and that obviously worked out pretty well 2022 rb3 uh finished the year the number one uh, league leader basically in rushing yards so really terrific season for him it really seemed like he had something to prove this year and he proved it in spades i've always kind of been a little bit higher probably on josh jacobs than most people it seemed like people really discounted his talent but from seeing this guy carve up the broncos seemed like every time we played the raiders josh jacobs was running through our guys um, i always had a somewhat favorable impression of jacobs just as a pure runner and a talent so I guess that probably helped me a little bit as well. Now we get into this situation here where he's a free agent. We have no idea where he's going to go as of yet. Um, it's pretty it's pretty dicey, right? Anytime you're, you're looking at a running back like this, like what is the market going to think of this guy? Is someone really going to step up to the plate, offer him a big contract and make him a focal point of their offense the way he was this past year in Vegas? I don't think you can count on that. That's why he falls into this tier for us. Um, but you do have that upside, right? And you have to value that in as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, definitely wouldn't discount the possibility that he could be brought back in Vegas at the right price as well. Um, you'll also want to see what they do at quarterback to figure out how how excited you're going to be about the Raiders offense for next year. Um, there's just so much uncertainty with Jacobs. You've seen the talent. You've seen the possibility for him to produce this kind of top three RB season. But there's just a lot of uncertainty, and that's why he starts to fall back into this tier for us. Yeah, this is this is the this guy. He's the top of this tier for a reason. I think he's most likely to kind of slide up between Javante and DeAndre Swift once we have a little more certainty with that contract. Just see where mm -hmm. he lands. I mean, if he signs for someone else, pulls a Lev Bell, goes signs with a team that's just not a great fit for an amount of money that he couldn't possibly turn down. That could really affect, you know, the long-term trajectory of his career. But if he re-signs with Vegas, they bring in a good pocket-passing quarterback who can kind of organize this team. He could be a player who reminds me a lot of uh, a Joe Mixon-type player who we'll, we'll get to in a little bit from two years ago. Uh, even the trajectory of his career thus far reminds me a lot of Joe Mixon's uh, from while he was coming up. So, But I will move into our next player, which is Najee Harris, 26-year-old. Najee Harris going into next season. People might not notice that because it's his third season, but he came into the league pretty old. I think that's why I have him sliding down. It's not because of his situation, his talent, his output for me, because even this year, as disappointing as he was, he was the RB14. I think he really came in uh, to himself at the end of the year. And he said before the preseason, he played through a Liz Frank and he was going to play on it and not set out the year. That's an injury that a lot of people would have sat out on, not even play. And I think, Weirdly enough, if Najee Harris hadn't played the year, if they had said, you know, right before the season started, oh, he's got to lose Frank, he's going to sit the season, um, people would have him ranked higher and be drafting him higher than they have him now with the season he went out there and played on, which is pretty wild, but I think context is really important. Um, well, it's yet to be seen if Canada will remain as the offensive corner there in Pittsburgh. I think a lot of people hope certainly not. It will be a second year with a, with a now sophomore quarterback so hopefully that could offer some improvements in this offense um i don't think warren really threatens the workload here for Najee. uh he looked good i think he won a kind of a backup role but i don't think he will steal much of uh Najee's workhorse type position with the team so i think Najee harris is at a very interesting value proposition where if a team is completely off him uh, you you can get it on this guy. I mean, if I'm tearing down from a Javante, I mean, and I can get a first or a second on top of Najee Harris, I'm going to I'm going to take that trade hundred uh, percent because I think I'm going to more likely to get that production from Najee for a year or two, and then kind of see if I could sell off before he gets into that second contract, just because he was an older player coming into the league. So Najee Harris sliding in there at 13 on our list. Uh, Nate, who's at 14? 14 is going to be Joe Mixon, going to be 27 and before next year. He was the RB12 this past season. Uh, likely finishes his contract out through 2024. He could be cut for uh, 2.75 million dead cap in 2024. You've got the backup there who did look pretty good, Smudge AP Ryan, uh, 27 turning 28 in September. Um, 
and uh, free agent there. So there's not uh, there's not a lot to contest with Mixon in this backfield currently. Um, but I do have a little bit of question about the talent level that we're seeing now that Mixon's getting older. Um, yeah, this has been talked to death on a fair number of podcasts. Uh, Sean Siegel has talked about this a fair bit, how the Bengals uh, just turn around and give it to Mixon and like throw points away because they could be throwing the ball downfield to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but instead they're letting Joe Mixon fall forward for two yards. Right. If you take out the the big game that he had where he had the just monstrous fantasy finish, one of the biggest fantasy finishes of the year, uh, then his season really starts to look quite pedestrian. Uh, he would have been obviously outside the top 12 without that uh, particular game. Uh, it's really tough for me to stomach paying a whole lot. Obviously, still tied to a great offense, um, but at his age and with the season that he put up, which was just not inspiring to me in any way, um, I think that I'm probably just going to fade Mixon in most formats. I do have him in a few places, and he was useful, if not spectacular, um, kind of as that RB2 uh, on a lot of my teams so I am gonna probably try to move him um, not right now it's a bad time to be moving older running backs at this point in the offseason I'll probably hold them into you know August September when people are starting to realize that they need fantasy points on their roster again and try to move off of them then because I do have questions about um, if he does continue this sort of downward trend that he seems to be on with this past year then this could get ugly quick in terms of his dynasty value and i just want to be out before that really starts to shape uh take place yeah i will say if um if joe mixon does come out by the time you guys watch this the buffalo cincinnati game will have happened if we just come out and put up like two touchdowns in that game maybe that's a quick little sell window you could put on joe mixon but yeah, yeah. when he said he was he's just not as efficient as we have come to know from joe mixon in the past this last year um an analytic nightmare a zach taylor wet dream it he just he just he does <laughs> love, he does love just handing it to this guy and people like throw the ball you got t higgins jamar chase tyler boyd uh, what are we doing here? He doesn't catch the ball as much as we would have liked. That's one of the things I always compared with with uh, Josh Jacobs. He's not as violent of a runner as a Josh Jacobs. I don't think he's as good as a runner as a Josh Jacobs, but he's okay. He gets the job done. He's better than a guy like Dave Montgomery. He can do a little bit of everything for your team. Uh, it's all about where you're getting Joe Mixon. If you are buying into Joe Mixon, he goes at like six, seven turn in startup Superflex drafts. If he slides in around seven, like. I'm probably just taking Joe Mixon. It just seems a good spot to fill a hole on your team. It's pretty safe. I expect him to finish out this deal uh, through 2024. So that's probably two years with him on this Bengals. It's a top offense. You could have another season like last year where touchdown variance goes on his side and he finishes RB3-4 like he did last year, like Josh Jacobs did this year. Um, so it's always within the range of outcomes. So it is a little asterisk on whether or not I am interested in getting in on Joe Mixon. Um, next guy on this list, the 27 year old, uh, Kenneth Walker, where you're going is yeah. Nick, is Nick Chubb here. He was the RB six this last year. We got Kareem Hunt and Deer and coming in as free agents. Um, there's always a chance Kareem Hunt could come back. Uh, I think even if he doesn't, they probably sign a depth piece from this. Maybe they take a stab in the fourth round. They have two fourth round picks, two fifth round picks. So maybe they turn around and try to grab another Jerome Ford. Maybe they give Jerome Ford a little more opportunity. Um, He's his four million dead cap to cut in 2024, so it's somewhat affordable. But they probably keep him. Just looking at this team, they, they they paid a lot to get Deshaun Watson and to kind of win now. And as long as Nick Chubb doesn't break down, if he's just built different like that, Derrick Henry, he's probably plays through his contract into 2024. So you probably get two. I'm really hoping for two seasons out of Nick Chubb, but that second season is certainly going to be um, not much dynasty value as far as open market people are going to be really off this guy after this next year so it's just something to be wary of in your drafts um nate and i made a trade it was the week before uh rashad penny got hurt which was kenneth walker for nick chubb actually in a team where i was like i'm in a playoff run uh nate was like i'm not making playoff we made that swap nate nate feels pretty good about it now at the time we did talk about it and he was kind of just projecting where we'd be a year from now and i think that's the same kind of decision you can make now, if you some of your leagues, a lot of you guys playing out there, people know the name of Nick Chubb, right? They don't know a lot of these rookies. We'll see where draft capital goes. But you could have a Sean Tucker, Zach Charbonnet, uh, one of these players in this range, Tank Bigsby, something, and they could come in, get a good spot, 
play good early. Uh, Zach Evans, per se, is another name. And really, you could be looking to tear down from Nick Chubb to one of those guys, pick up a draft pick on top of it, and you could be smooth sailing. If for some reason you can get Jameer Gibbs for Nick Chubb now, uh, you go and do that. Uh, it's just a smart move, no matter if you're win now or you are rebuilding. Um, that's kind of where I said in Nick Chubb. Still a very good player, you know, a low-end RB1 uh, high RB2 at worst, I think, for next season for your team. So still a very, very solid player. Same thing with Joe Mixon. That 6-7 turn, uh, I'm taking him there. Like If Nick Chubb's there, 6-7. Yeah. But don't be going out and spending fourth-round picks on Nick Chubb in your startup drafts. He's a 27-year-old running back who doesn't catch a lot of passes. So I know that's been his narrative, but you're relatively capped if you take him in that spot. But we're going to move ahead, Nate. Who is at 16? At 16, we've got Delvin Cook, going to be 28 for next season. So obviously one of these guys that we're talking about with uh, a little bit on the graybeard side of things was the RB10 this past year. He could be cut this offseason. I would save them uh, $6.2 million. Uh, It's kind of, I guess, dependent on what you think the Vikings are going to do. They had uh, a pretty inspiring season that turned pretty uninspiring with a loss to the Giants in the playoffs. I've heard people say that they should cut things down and rebuild a little bit or retool. If that did happen, then Cook could be on the chopping block. Um, Seems a little bit more likely that he'll be back at least for 2023. I do view Cook kind of as a one-year option at this point uh, for Dynasty. I don't anticipate like if he gives me something beyond next year, great. But I'm kind of I'm kind of viewing him as a one-year asset at this point, and. Yeah, there's always the chance Cook has historically been banged up and played through a lot of injury. Uh, He's had repeated shoulder issues, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, So you do wonder if something like that were to crop up, if he does miss time, like you might have missed your last sell window on Delvin Cook being worth a first or somewhere in this range. Um, So this is kind of one of these guys where you think uh, it might be the time, you know, not now, but again, August, September, when people are looking for fantasy points, they're looking for someone to make a difference on the rosters. If you can get a first for Delvin Cook uh, come August or September, you can turn that first around into something, um, somebody that you know is going to produce for you if you're if you're a contender mid-season and you're trying to make that push. You can turn that first around into someone who's a bit more of a known asset halfway through the season than whatever Delvin Cook might be. Um, because this is a guy who could go to zero in the next year. That wouldn't be surprising, I don't think, to anybody. Could also be a guy who finishes as an RB1 once again. So you do have kind of a wide range of outcomes with Delvin Cook um, in terms of his value and his potential production. So that's why he kind of slides into the back end of this tier for us. Um, I don't know. Am I too harsh on Cook? What do you think, Skylar? I think as long as he is healthy, he's going to finish. This RB10 mark that he finished at this year, I think he probably finishes RB10 again next year. But I would agree, past 2023, it's it's really up in the air. I don't expect them to cut him this offseason. It was a new coaching staff coming in in Minnesota. They did kind of fall short at the end of the year. I think they're going to sit in the offseason and probably try to retool in a way where they're going to run it back. Where they, they think, okay, we had a lot of good things to build off of, and Dalvin Cook was one of those things. It's also important to note that you know Alexander Madison is a free agent, and I don't know if maybe they come to a team-friendly contract, but I don't expect him to overpay Madison. I think Dalvin Cook probably is a cheaper alternative just to keep him and roll him out there as your lead back again. They have a third, fourth, fifth, couple competitors, sevens possibly coming in. Maybe they take a late stab. The only other running backs on roster are Nene and Ty Chandler. So I would expect Dalvin Cook to come back. Uh, I would agree with you, though, if you can turn him into – you can get a first – top nine type pick in this upcoming class for Dalvin Cook. I'm probably just taking that, roll it out, go get myself an Addison, a Johnson, a Boutte potentially, um, and see if one of those guys hit. Because if they do, they're going to immediately be worth a first second. That's not something you're probably going to get for Dalvin Cook at this point moving forward. Even if he comes out, he's the RB6 by week eight. Manners probably aren't going to be paying him more than a first at max. I'm cool drafting Dalvin Cook if he falls to like that 7-8 turn in your startup, but you just got to know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's a fringe RB1 for probably just one more season. Um, so that's why I said on Dalvin Cook. Now moving into the next guy who's 29 years old for next season, so even older than Dalvin Cook, is Derrick Henry, who still exists. He was the RB4 in 2022 again. Now, interestingly enough, I have less concerns with Derrick Henry's contract than Austin Eckler or Dalvin Cook. Um, he's got a pretty team-friendly deal. They can cut him post um, 
June, June 1st, the deadline, they can cut him for a lesser, it's like, I think it's like $2.3 million or something like that. Um, in 2024, that's just, it's so minimal. His money isn't that bad. I wouldn't be surprised if they run it through. The only thing with Derrick Henry is this is probably the first time in his career there has been a t- uncertainty at the team level. So with Derrick Henry, I don't really know who's going to be coming in at quarterback, if it's going to be kind of a rebuild year. At least you have Rabel. I'm pretty confident in that, uh, hopefully for next season. The only other running backs on roster are Haskins and Chestnut. Um, they have all of their picks except their fourth. So maybe they take a second, third round stab as a guy to put behind Derrick Henry, how they did in the past where they took Derrick Henry in the second to slide behind a league leading rusher um, in DeMarco Murray before him. So maybe that's something I know it's a new regime. Maybe that's something they look to do, but I think you get at least one more year. I think clear cut without injury, top five type running back, um, not much to say. He's still the center of this team. RB17. This is a guy who's going to be there in like the eighth round of your startup at that point. Again, it's a one-year rental who's going to help you win. So that's where I sit on Derek Henry. We're going to try to keep this moving, guys. We only have a couple names left to get through. So, Nate, why don't you hit it with guy 19? Number 19, Tony Pollard. Uh, was the RB7, believe it or not, in 2022. <laughs> Is a free agent, uh, feeling likely that he probably is going to come back to Dallas. Um, You have, obviously, Zeke is the other running back in that backfield, but they've coexisted pretty well uh, this past season. You see, like, the ceiling with Pollard, obviously, here on the the games where he does get, um, like, if Zeke is injured for any reason, Pollard can absolutely go off, have a monster uh, game. I don't think that the Cowboys view him as ever being a uh, bell cow back or even like a necessarily a lead back in terms of rushing share. Um, he's just more of a weapon overall for them. And so I think that's going to cap his upside. I think like we probably saw his ceiling this year at RB seven. Uh, in my opinion, this might be the best season that we see out of Tony Pollard. Uh, so that's why he comes down to RB 18 here. Um, yeah, if he were to go elsewhere, then it would be a whole nother evaluation, obviously. Uh, if he goes somewhere and there's not a clear backup situation, um, he could go to a timeshare. He could go to a spot where it seems like he's going to get uh, the majority of the work. That would be pretty interesting to evaluate from that point because, yeah, what we've seen on the field from Tony Pollard is pretty electric stuff. So uh, be very interested to see if he were to go somewhere else in free agency. But Assuming that he does go back to Dallas and kind of stays at home there, then I think uh, we may have seen the best from Tony Pollard already. But it's hard to beat an RB7 finish for a guy who doesn't play more than 50% of the snaps. I mean, that's what Tony Pollard is as a player. Yeah, it's pretty darn solid. Uh, He had a stretch of the season in the the middle parts where he was the RB1 for about a six to eight week stretch, which is phenomenal. But with Tony Pollard, this is a player, as we said, who only plays... 60% 60% of the snaps is probably about that ceiling. He, if he were to play more, he's going to be asking for a sub. He's going to be asking for some help. We even see with a guy like Austin Eckler, which is what you hope for, just that efficiency, that receiving, the spark plug type player. Even he asked for, give me some help. I can't come out here and play every single carry. Contrary to what we would like for our fantasy teams, these players, uh, they know their bodies well. They know their limitations, and they want to be at their best when they actually do get the football. And I think Tony Power was probably should be very, very happy with the role he got this year. He did step in where he was really was kind of that one a uh, in the team, finally overtaking Zeke as far as importance on the team. But Zeke is probably there another season for next year because he does play an important role. He's still a great blocker for this team. He's a leader. He's a face. Jerry loves him. And it's 11 million hit to cut Zeke next year. And if they want to re-sign Pollard, I'm not sure both those moves make sense. It's probably both or none. And I would expect it to be both. This is a team that if they if they lose in the playoffs in round two, they're probably going to be looking to run it back. Uh, I would expect kind of a team-friendly deal if he can get it done. Like Austin Eckler a couple years ago got a four $24 million deal done with the Chargers. If Tony Pollard came out and got a four years, like low $30 million, about 30 something like that, uh, I think both parties should be doing a backflip. So... Uh, Tony Pollard is an exciting player. I wouldn't overpay for him at this point. Really do need to see what he does because I think in Dallas here with Dak Prescott is almost best case Ontario for him. Um, 
I would expect them potentially to take one or two stabs on running backs in rounds three through five. They do have a third, fourth, two fifths in this upcoming class. The only other running back on roster is Malik Davis. Maybe they sign somebody else, but um, it's a position that's very important for them. And potentially they come through and get a little more depth. Now, Tony Paul was actually 18, 19 on our list. is 24-year-old, finally healthy, question mark, J.K. Dobbins, final year of his rookie contract. Is he going to be the Josh Jacobs of this year, the guy who doesn't catch enough passes, who gets an offense with a new offensive coordinator, new, and he just takes off? Maybe. Um, he's down here at 19, I think, for a reason. He hasn't shown us a full season of that. He hasn't even carried a workload like Josh Jacobs has in the past. I would pump the brakes on getting excited. I've, uh, we got a lot of questions in our Discord link in description about J.K. Dobbins recently with how we view him in market, a lot of trade offers people are getting. And we've seen people walking away in one-for-one swaps of J.K. Dobbins with Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin. Freight now you can bank on the excitement of the old coordinator finally out for Baltimore. And this is it's finally JK time. Go make that trade. Uh, this is this is a this is a sell for me with the excitement around him. Uh, I thought I'd be more buying JK Dobbins rolling it in next year, but if people are going to already announce him as kind of that fringe RB1 or potential upside player, uh, I'm out. Uh, there's never been a guy I've had, I've never had JK Dobbins in my top 15. Um, he needs to prove it before he gets there to get in for me. Um, Lamar, we, we saw with the meeting today with Harbaugh, we'd expect Lamar to come back. We've talked extensively in the past about the limitations, unless they have an ungodly scoring record like they did. I think it was 2018 with the upside for touchdowns. Just naturally, Lamar will take some away and Gus Edwards is still under contract. I think he will be used if healthy, even if it's not him, it'll be another guy. They showed that this year. They like to rotate two backs in there with Lamar. Um, okay, so guy 20 moving past JK. Who is it? It's going to be Ramondre Stevenson here. I'm going to be 25 years old. Was the RB9 this past year? Pretty impressive for a day three pick uh, in the 2021 draft. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in this backfield. You do have Damian Harris heading into free agency. I don't know that I'd expect him to be back just given that the Patriots seem to recycle backs at a pretty constant rate and they'll just go draft another guy in day two day three and uh, do the whole thing over again so that would be my anticipation for what happens in terms of another back in this backfield uh, really where they draft that back who that back is will determine for me a little bit more about what I think about Ramondre's role might be moving forward we have seen like even Damian Harris um, he kind of basically had a redshirt year his first season before he was elevated to a much bigger role the following season you could see something like that come through for some of these guys that they had uh, Pierre Strong Kevin Harris uh, guys that they added this year you could see something like that come through for next year where one of those guys gets elevated in general I just always kind of anticipate that New England is going to use two backs uh, a fair bit and have them split work that's generally my default. It was very impressive what Rumanje did this season, something I didn't see coming uh, by any stretch. Definitely there was uh, some trendiness around him as a name who could potentially break out in this way, and he did hit on that. Uh, but the way that he hit on it was pretty impressive. The receiving numbers especially, uh, very, very impressive to me. I didn't expect him to have multiple seven, eight, nine reception games uh, in this past season. So that's pretty interesting. Do have pretty big reservations about uh, whether he's going to see this same kind of role. Damian Harris did miss a bunch of time this past season, um, which allowed Ramondre to get a bunch more snaps and a bunch more production that way. So whether that happens again uh, is um, pretty up in the air at this point. So I'm kind of holding Ramondre down until I see what they do uh, in terms of the draft or in terms of free agency, what other backs are going to be there. If if they go ahead and run this out with Ramondre and Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, and that's the rotation for next year, then by all means, uh, Ramondre is going to skyrocket up this list. But I don't think we can anticipate that just given what we've seen from New England over the past little bit. Yeah, Bill Belichick loves two positions on the football field. It's running backs and linebackers. They can play all over special teams, which is where he is his bread and butter. Uh, they have two-thirds, two-fourths, a fifth, two-sixths, sorry, three-sixths. They're, they're drafting another running back somewhere in there. Nate and I were talking before. This class, 
there could be anywhere from six to 12 guys who land with meaningful roles uh, from this upcoming rookie class. And uh, one of them is going to have New England. If they don't, I'll be very surprised, as they said. If they don't and they roll in there with Strong and Harris next to him, by all means, you know, Ramondre Stevenson is he's a buy at that point. Um, but I would expect them to bring somebody else in here with Ramondre Stevenson. Um, if you were getting him at those like round six to eight prices, I'm totally in. You know, that's kind of like that back end of the first, early second type draft pick. And I think the upside there is completely worth it. At minimum, you're going to end up with a guy who's going to have a receiving role in this offense, is going to offer some kind of a floor as a potential RB2 uh, for your football team. And I think that's very valuable. It's just that RB1 season. He was an RB9, you know, this this last season. I think that's that's kind of the ceiling expectation. Everything has to go right for that to happen for Ramondre Stevenson. And there's a lot of people I see taking him because they think, you know, he's a young guy. Uh, we're going to go get him in the third, fourth, fifth round of your startup draft, and it's just much too hefty for me. So avoid kind of making that mistake. Similar to Najee Harris, he was a little older coming into the league. Um, so he might not be someone who carries a lot of value into that second contract if he gets there as well. He was a day three pick in 2021, which, you know, he's outplayed it. So we're, we're kind of past that with Ramondre Stevenson, but it is always something that tends to come up a little bit when it comes to getting money or when if a guy with higher draft capital does come into the team, you know, when we're talking about opportunity. And then another guy who's taken round day three pick this last class was Damian Pierce, who we're going to have at 21 on this list. He's 23 years old, a little younger than Reminder Stevenson, finished the year injured. He was the RB25 on the year, but for certain spells, he was a fringe RB1. A lot of people are getting really excited about this guy, um, you know. Talking about him over a lot of these rookie wide receivers, the Traylon Burks, uh, Jamison Williams, John Dawson, Christian Watson, Chris Olave. People were really excited about Damian Pierce in certain drafts, especially when he came out after I think week three is really where he kind of took off. People were excited about this guy, but we were telling you all year to kind of pump the brakes. Uh, this team had nothing going for them. They weren't going to win football games. The scoring was very limited. Um, he was competing with Rex Burkhead, who was supposed to be the the rusher when they started the season, not the receiving back. And that quickly, mm -hmm. Damian Pierce won that job pretty quick. It wasn't a hard job to win, but he, all credit to the guy who's very good with the opportunity he was given. Um, this upcoming season, they're going to potentially have a rookie quarterback. I think that's kind of the expectation. They have no other running backs under contract for 2023, but they have two firsts, a second, two thirds, fourth, a fifth, four, six, and a seventh. Holy draft capital. Um, they're drafting another back or two to come in and compete with Damian Pierce. This is a guy who was completely split backfield in college at Florida. Um, I would be nervous carrying Damian Pierce going into the upcoming season. I think he's one of the players who could be very, very affected. We get a nice, uh, you know, think like what we got from Tyler Algier, or uh, Brian Robinson this last season, a guy like this who's kind of built to take a lot of the work, come in and immediately just split this backfield with Damian Pierce. They're gonna they're gonna ruin what people are willing to pay you for Damian Pierce. So if you can get out of Damian Pierce and get a 24 first and maybe a a dart throw type player, I'm probably moving off Damian Pierce. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks, more question marks than green check marks for Damian Pierce. Good player. I'll always be hoping for these day three guys, but they tend to be replaceable. I mean, Michael Carter looked very good his rookie season, and then they went out and drafted Brees Hall. So anything can happen with these guys um, coming out of round four. So, you know, a guy a, go even go a year back, Devin Singletary looked good his rookie season, kind of comparable, and then they came right through, and they've been trying to find running backs to pair with him ever since, and he's kind of been limited in what he gives you. RB2, sure, but that top 12 running back, I don't necessarily see that in his range of outcomes, unless he comes out and really shocks us. So let's move past Nate, wrap, wrap this thing up, bring us out with the, the last guy we're going to talk about today. Last guy's going to be Rashad white, 24 years old for next season was the RB 34 this year. Uh, obviously playing behind Leonard Fournette there in Tampa Bay who finished as the RB 11. So Fournette, 28 years old, likely under contract for another season, unless they foot a five mil dead cap hit. <laughs> Definitely uh, going to be cut by the end of next season. Um, they'll move on from him after next season if they do bring him back for this season. Regardless, I think that it's pretty obvious to everyone who's the more electric player between Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. 
Um, there's obviously a ton of questions about what's going to happen in Tampa Bay uh, this offseason and what that might be. But I'm willing to bet on the talent uh, with Rashad White. I don't think this is a player that's ever going to be a bell cow uh, in the way that Fournette was at times. I don't think he's a guy who takes 20 rushes a game and also gets five, six targets on top of that. But I do think he's a guy uh, when he's at his peak and when he's fully taken over this role uh, from Fournette where he's going to potentially get those five, six targets a game and be very, very valuable uh, because of the receiving upside that he does have. Um, so I think that this is probably the succession plan that was always in place is Fournette was there for this year um, as the primary guy. Next year, I anticipate the roles could potentially change and it could be White as the primary guy and Fournette as more of the, you know, uh, if it's like more of a 60-40 kind of thing between them, then that flips uh, going into next year. And then beyond that, uh, you could be looking at White as the primary guy, and then they kind of fill in around with veterans or whatever they care to do beyond that. So I do think that White has potential. Uh, he's also someone who has been kind of a darling for a lot of a lot of people in the dynasty space. So if it does seem like he's getting a bigger workload, then there might be a case where he really gets elevated if he has a few big games early in next season. Um, there's going to be contingents of people who elevate him and call him like a top 10 dynasty RB. Uh, that's definitely within the range of outcomes with Rashad White. So getting somebody who gives you that kind of upside uh, is something I'm definitely interested in when you're talking about a guy currently 22nd in our list here. Yeah, uh, with Rashad White, what you're, what you're really trying to take in this role is you're trying to buy Sony Pollard a year or two early at round eight, nine prices in your startup draft where you see Tony Pollard going in round five. Now you can get Rashad White in round nine and it's a very similar situation. Uh, Lenny Fournette, just like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he's 28 years old. Actually, he's older than Zeke, but Wes Miles. Uh, he's likely under contract for next season. I'd expect him to stay. You know, that five mil cap, I think they probably keep him. Of course, as Nate said, so many question marks with this team. Yeah. Uh, he won't be there in 2024. Um, my worry here is even if they don't bring him back, potentially one of those good sized players we were talking about in this upcoming class might find their way to Tampa Bay to do that split with Rashad white, but that's fine. You're hoping for efficiency. You're hoping for a guy, you know, if this team ends up scoring, they still have good players like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin under contract. Uh, we've seen other teams, you know, Tom Brady's going to leave. Okay, well, we've seen Seattle, you know, Russ left and there's a Tower Lockett and a DK Metcalf and people completely downgraded those guys. A guy like Gino came in and just fine because he still has really, really good weapons to work with. So Tampa Bay, let's not completely write them off. There is a situation here where someone else comes in. They don't completely blow it up. This is still a semi-productive football team. And Rashad White is in an offense where he's going to be able to score touchdowns, be really efficient on his touches, outperform Leonard Fournette. That is the hope with Rashad White. Uh, I certainly like the talent. We liked him coming in. Uh, I, I knew all about this guy. I got a, a bud at work who, who went to college with him and wouldn't stop talking about him. So I got a good look at this guy before he's coming to the class. And I had to agree. I'm like, yeah, he, need, he probably needs a year or two to learn football a little better. Um, but as far as a spark plug, this guy is second to none. He was he was the whole offense in college Arizona. He put the uh, he put the team on his back at Arizona State and just went crazy. So this is this is a player who's very exciting. Uh, it certainly has that upside. I do like him on my team. Again, it's just about where you're getting in on Rashad White. This is a player who could probably drop a tier down closer to once the next time we come back and we talk about the. Alvin Kamara is Aaron Jones where they're at these days versus, you know, the upcoming guys like that Tyler Brian Robinson. He could be a little closer to those guys than the next tier of guys uh, uh, a ways up when we were talking about DeAndre Swift or Austin Eckler, Travis Etienne, two above, but certainly exciting. And if he does do anything like Tony Pollard, uh, there's going to be excitement. You're going to be able to get out on this guy because there, there was a big fan club behind Tony Pollard the last two seasons. There was certainly times to sell even before this breakout. So if you do get a little antsy, just like we said with a couple guys, I think Rashad White is pretty safe. It's a guy you can you can get off of because even if they bring in another guy, he's going to have exciting plays for sure. All right, guys, and that wraps up. <clears throat> kind of a nice spot to break up here. Again, as I said, we'll hopefully come back and hit the next group of guys at a different time. But if you stuck with us through this whole video, you know, drop a like, subscribe, 
I really enjoy you guys coming here. I appreciate a like and hop in the Discord. We talk through these tiers with anyone who's got questions. We talk fantasy football, especially dynasty fantasy football, all day. Uh, it's a growing community. We we're growing, you know, ten to thirty percent weekly at this rate in the off season because we got mock drafts, startup mock drafts, rookie mock drafts coming out every single way. If you want to learn about a couple of the running backs coming up in these classes, jump in the Discord and come chat some fantasy football with us uh you can find nate at nathan gn on twitter you can find all things jwb at jwb underscore ff if you play fantasy hockey i'm gonna put a link below to nate's fantasy hockey it's an excellent channel nate writes for yahoo he's uh very successful in his outright one of the brightest minds out there is apples and genos i'll put that link below um but that being said we will catch you guys next time thanks for hanging out with us 